microphones make a podcast. Two microphones and you make a This is Joyce, and I'm flying somewhat solo today. My co-host is not here. I am interviewing Jamie Pantia, but really she's my my guest host, but it's just us two today. <laughs> and Hello. We are, we are here. Welcome. Welcome back to the podcast, Jamie. We are uh, We're going to talk about some of the things going on in both the Brexville and the Strongsville studio. Um, specifically the yin and yoga nidra workshop this Saturday with Susie and the inversion workshop with Jamie and Amanda next Saturday in Brexville. So we'll start with the yin and yoga nidra, um, which is this Saturday, September 16th in our Strongsville studio from five to six 30. Uh, we've been getting some questions as to what yoga nidra is. When, and Jamie and I will address that in a, in a moment. I'd like to start with yin because that's what this event is going to start with. So in most of our classes, aside from the yin class itself, um, we start with, say it's an hour class, we'll start when most of the class will be will be yang poses. So there'll be active poses. So it'll be about 40 to 45 minutes of yang poses and then about... 15 to 20 minutes of yin poses. Um, there's a there's a significant difference between active and passive poses. Uh, one, the, the breath changes. Um, two, Mary Beth said this really well, yin poses benefit more from time than effort, um, which make them passive. Um, and they tend to be very relaxing, I would say. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that's a really good way to describe it. Um, that, that kind of puts it into a perspective perfectly because, yeah, once you get into those passive or your yin poses, um, you're really just kind of relying on your breath and a little bit of body weight, you know, to help you soften into them and loosen up. I like to think of in, in the yang portion, the active portion of class, like the, the breath in really, the inhale really drives the poses for the most part, um, in yang or in yin, uh, the breath out really drives poses. So if you think about sitting in a deep hip opener, like a half pigeon or something, or even any hip opener, but your, your exhale is going to tell you if you're deep enough, if you're not deep enough, if you're too deep, Mm um, you know, think about like taking a breath and just sort of settling in, like every exhale can help you help you go a little further, which it, it works that way in yin or in yang active poses as well. It's just that you're not spending as much time. Um, well, like you said, the focus for the active is truly the inhales. Cause that's, I mean, our focus is mainly on that for sure. It switches once you get into the, you know, on the ground and into your yin poses. So. Um, and so in a yin class, or at least the way that it's taught at modern yoga You'll start with a little bit of active poses. So you'll warm up with maybe some sun salutations just to kind of get your blood flowing and to get you moving. And then 
So in an hour class, you might do 10 to 15 minutes of active poses and then um, 45 to 50 minutes of of yin. Mm -hmm. And so in this 90-minute workshop, Susie will take you through, you know, a little bit of little bit of yang just to get you to get you prepared to really melt down into the yin poses. Um, it's a really nice class in and of itself. Uh, but we add yoga nidra or we're adding yoga nidra for this special event. Um, but the yin poses will or the yin class will prepare your body to just kind of be a little bit more comfortable when you're laying for 45 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I would not if I were to walk into the studio and somebody said, we're going to lay on our mats for two hours and not do anything else. I would have a hard time with that. So I think that yin part of it is kind of that perfect making it a hybrid class. So you couldn't just like clear your mind and relax your body? Just, you know. Mm -mm. No, I think that's honestly when I first started doing yoga at modern yoga, coming especially coming from a Bikram practice. Um, you know, slow flow classes and stuff like that had no interest to me. Um, and then I, I had taken yin before when I was at the Bikram studio and I really did enjoy it. Um, again, coming from something that's so intense of a practice, the thought of sitting still is intimidating. (laughs) And, uh, the first time I did it, I remember thinking to myself, a, this is kind of painful, but it was just because my body was tighter than I realized and I was actually a little sore, like for the next two or three days, because my body had finally had this chance to actually relax as much as it needed to. And um, it was, I mean, it was a, it was a crazy difference. And uh, I, I encourage anybody who has not tried slow flow or especially in classes to check it out. Because um, as much as we don't, you know, it, it, there's the mental part of it, too. And I think everybody right. needs that, whether they like it or not. I think we all need it more than we'd like to admit. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. But it's, you know, the first time you go to a yin class, you're going to feel amazing. You're going to go home and you're going to sleep so well. Um, but while you are there, you might find your mind racing and you might go through the thoughts of why am I doing this to myself or you're <laughs> bored or whatever. But I promise you, if you continue it the next, you know, two, three, whatever you know, um, classes that you go to, it gets it gets better, it gets easier, uh, but it also gets more beneficial. And you start craving it too. It's yeah, one of those absolutely. things is like, I can't sit that long. When's the next class? <laughs> yeah. Then the reason that you might have gotten sore is that um, you put stress and pressure on your connective tissues in yin, and mm-hmm. it's not that we don't do that in a power class or slow flow class, we're just not holding these poses for the amount of time that you're holding them in a true yin class. um, Poses are held sometimes five, seven minutes, sometimes 10. It just depends on the pose. Uh, So it's really good for any level because, Mm -hmm. because there's time to get in the pose and figure it out. There's time for the teacher to make sure everybody is in like a, a good version of the pose for them. And, um, and every single pose can be changed. I hate the word modified because modified just kind of suggests that, you know, like you can't do it right. And that's not it. Sometimes yeah. a modified version of a pose just feels better for you. Or I know, absolutely, you know, like on one side, you may need a modification and it'll help you get to the place that you're going on the other side. You might not. Um, sometimes modified poses are just a lot more comfortable <laughs> Well, if you think about it, depending, like my favorite when it comes to modified is lizard pose. Um, You know, I can do a full lizard pose, but I prefer modified. 
you know, when you're holding something like lizard, not only are you, yes, you're trying to open your hip, you're trying to get the stretching part of it and that relaxation in your muscles or whatever, but it's strengthening too. You know, you're supporting yourself on this back leg and your toes, like you've got a lot going on. And I mean, it's just the same thing as using blocks and props, putting my, you know, back knee down. I'm taking weight off of the body. I'm taking the strength away from it so that I can actually relax because our body's going to resist. Right. So those modifications are actually going to help you deep in your practice and then get to whatever level you want to sooner. So that that's just a big commercial for yin in general. (laughs) (laughs) Yin is a great class. If you haven't taken it, um, definitely check it out. We have it when we have it in Strongsville, we have it on Sunday evenings, Wednesday mornings and Thursday evenings. And then in Brexville, we have it on Wednesday evenings and it's just, it's a really nice class. So this particular event, though, um, will be about 45 minutes of yin and followed up by 45 minutes of yoga nidra. And yoga nidra is a meditation practice. It's a guided meditation practice that's usually about 45 minutes. And and um, it takes you into a deeply relaxing state. And it is equivalent to about three hours of sleep. Um, we did it in Brexville a couple of weeks ago for the one year anniversary. And one of the students that participated said that he lost all sense of time. He, he, once we were done with class, he said, you could have told me that we were there in the meditation for five minutes. And he's like, you could have told me we were there for five hours and I would have believed you either way. Um, it is a really interesting experience. It's fun for me as like, somebody who has facilitated yoga nidra to watch people come out of it for the first time because you know like like the student was saying you know he was just trying to figure out like what just happened so confused (laughs) um but i have people students have given me the feedback over the years we we used to do this pretty i think we used to do it once a quarter before covid and um we did it on Sunday evenings. Yeah, I think it was uh, the first Sunday of the quarter. Um, and people would say that they would they would sleep better than they ever have. So they like they wouldn't miss the yoga nidra event because they would just go home and and not pass out but sleep well. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's well. And that's when we were promoting the last one for Braxville. That's what I kind of told everybody. I said, you know, don't probably don't plan on having any plans afterwards, you know, right. Make it a part of your Saturday evening, date night, whatever it is, you know, something just new to do, but plan on going home and relaxing, drinking water and doing other self-care activities, reading, whatever it is. But I don't recommend taking yoga nidra and then heading off to dinner (laughs) afterwards. Don't go clubbing after (laughs) yoga nidra. Be sleeping in the corner. I know that when we used to have it on Sunday nights, um, a teacher named Molly came in to do it, who unfortunately for us, she moved to Syracuse, but she was amazing. Um, but I was always there and I would do the yoga. I would do, the, it was the same thing, yin and yoga nidra. I would do it. Um, and then I would like clean up the studio, wrap up, you know, talk to her for a minute and then drive home. So I wouldn't, get home till like at least an hour after class, depending Mm -hmm. on how much chatting was going on and Mm -hmm. how much needed to be done at the studio. So I felt like by that time, 
like something had happened where my body was in this deep state of rest and now I'm wide awake. Mm, and so it totally would be revitalized. It would be like nine, nine thirty on a Sunday night. And I'm like, what do you guys want to do? And, well, you but did I, say it's like uh, the same as getting three hours of sleep. So you basically got like the ultimate power nap. <laughs> exactly. But Recharged. for people who didn't have to like yeah, do, do all that, they could just take a, you know, five to 10 minute drive home or 15 minute drive home or whatever and just chill out. They're like going and, you know, getting in bed and you were kind me. of breaking your state. <laughs> and then I, you know, I've taught on Monday mornings at 545 for years now. So that didn't help either. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I got to the point where, well, actually, some something sort of good for me happened, (laughs) although this is kind of funny. And I don't, I hope this doesn't discourage anybody from coming to Yoga Nidra. It's kind of funny. Sorry, guys, but most guys, so Yoga Nidra brings you to a state where you are, it's a state of consciousness between waking and sleeping. And it's very common. It's part of the practice to try to not to to sleep. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people will fall asleep. And most of the time, if it's a guy, they start snoring. <laughs> and it's part of the practice, though, not only for for everybody to try to not fall asleep, but just like falling out of a pose or like not, you know, like working on a pose. It's the same thing. It's like it's not a big deal. It's it's kind of almost expected that some people are going to mm-hmm. fall asleep. So part of the practice for everybody else is to just stay in your own practice and let let that person right next to you snore really loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we, it happened a few times and we were joking that we, anytime a guy comes in, we should just put all the guys in one <laughs> in the corner. This is um, the snore corner. This is the not so snore corner. <laughs> it is funny though. One time somebody's wife was just like, you know, get up. But um, we just decided, you know, people were just saying it was, it was interfering with their relaxation. So Molly and I talked about it and we decided that if somebody, we were going to announce it and she did, you know, if you, if you snore, we're going to wiggle your toe. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my job. <laughs> you were the toe wiggler. Yeah. I never had to do it. Like it, it, and this is very common too, like where somebody will, you, you know, you'll, you'll sort of notice that they are sleeping because their breath will just get, you know, mm. and then the snoring will start. Because it's so quiet in the room, you know, you'll hear a little bit of snoring and then you just kind of wait. And usually within the first, like, I don't know, 30 seconds, they're like, oh, what just happened here, you know? Um, So I don't think maybe once I had to wiggle somebody's toe, but that's real weird too. Not because it's weird to like wiggle somebody's toe, but like if you're sleeping. I mean, it's a little strange to wiggle somebody's toe. I I mean, (laughs) considering all of it, but if you're sleeping in this situation and then like now all of a sudden somebody's like nobody wakes you up by wiggling your toe yeah you know what i mean i would almost be afraid to i mean have you i mean have you ever woken somebody up and it's just absolutely scared the crap out of them? yeah <laughs> and they just jump up and that would be my fear is that my one little toe wiggle would end up with a foot in my face <laughs> but that per you know that's usually when they're in a deep sleep where they've okay. been asleep for a while not not just yeah so um, so yeah, there might be a little snoring involved in yoga nidra. <laughs> That's okay. It'll only be brief. <laughs> it's yeah, it'll be brief. There'll be some toe wiggling. Um, but it but is the whole point though, is that hopefully you are in your own state of relaxation that the snoring doesn't really bother you, you know? Right. Yeah. But yoga nidra has a ton of really great benefits. Um, 
it helps in relieving muscle tension um, and in where you know your muscles your emotion your body your emotions your your whatever's going on in your head they're all connected so mm-hmm. you know you can say yes it relieves muscular tension emotional tension mental tension but i just feel like that's one thing yeah. um but it helps i mean it helps with everything and if i, I mean it's not a regular class for us. Obviously this is a special event, but if it's something that you involve in your practice, you know, a little bit more overall, it's good for, you know, like fatigue, just even daily fatigue, you feel more energized because you're getting more rest. Um, you know, and especially, especially if you're a person that can't get that eight hours, seven hours of sleep every night, um, putting some yoga nidra in your life would be super beneficial because you're catching up on the rest, you're rejuvenating the body, but then overall it's anxiety, like cortisol levels, stress, all of that. It, it, it all improves. Yes. Um, there's even been studies that say it helps with uh, your memory too. Um, you know, just cognitive function as a whole. So, but I think it all, uh, it all connects to us, you know, being able to find that those deepest states of relaxation um, cause I think a lot of us, you know, you think you come home and you sit on the couch and turn on the TV or something and you're like, oh, this is relaxing, but how many times do you have to stand up and do something or the dog needs out or the phone right. rings it, you know, it's just, it's not really truly relaxation. Cause you're still, you're still doing stuff. You've got a TV going. This is true, right. true, deep relaxation. Side note, our TV in the living room broke yesterday. I want to break all the TVs in our house. <laughs> I, I don't want to be anymore. <laughs> I was going to follow that up with, and I wasn't upset. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> Quite honestly, it's not on that much either. Yeah. Um, because everybody in the house, including Alina, has their own device. Mm, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So everybody's watching videos and doing stuff on their phones or iPads. And yeah. So it's not the end of the world. I, I James was a little bit upset. He was trying to like reset the TV. He's like, I think the TV is broke. And he just likes to have it on as like background noise, which like definitely not my thing, but you know, whatever. I get that. That's, that's me for sure. I can't work in complete silence. I have to have either light music or, um, I'll do (laughs) friends is on repeat in our house all the time. I think that in the time that Bradley and I've been together, he's probably heard or watched it like the whole series at least like eight times. (laughs) Oh, I'm not kidding. But the thing is, because we've seen it, I've seen it so many times, he's seen it that it's not something I will ever need to pay attention to. You know, I can't have a TV show on that I've never seen. I can't have documentaries playing, because then that's where I'm going. Got it. But there is something about that little background buzz that helps me just stay focused on what's right in front of me. I get it. I'm the opposite. I I really like it quiet. When when I was single for a long time, like I I don't, I didn't, I didn't turn the TV on much at all. And mm-hmm. I think I had, I had two or three TVs in the house and I had, but I did have Brown's parties <laughs> and um, I want to say this was back in 2005 ish or maybe it's 2006, but I, I was one of the only people in, apparently on the planet who did not have a flat screen TV. Oh and <laughs> I, I honestly, like probably didn't turn the TV on much more than for the Browns game. So I wasn't too stressed about having a flat screen TV. And I said to like the regulars that there were like four of us that were always here. I said, if the Browns win five games in a row, I'll buy a flat screen TV. 
That's a good bet. It's a safe bet if you don't. Had I not met TV. James <laughs> in 2000, we met in 2011, <laughs> I probably would still not have a flat screen TV. You're like, I'd still have that same TV today. <laughs> and he, when I met him, he was like, why do you have these big tube TVs? And I was like, because I don't ever turn them on and they work. Like, what's all the you need. deal? And he's like, do you know how much space this takes up? So one day, uh, he lived in a uh, he lived in Stowe, and he was leasing um, this really actually this really awesome space. But um, he was like, "Do you mind if he was like spending all this time here?" He's like, "Do you mind if I bring my TV over?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No, but you're gonna drive all the way to Stowe. Like, why don't you just bring it the next time you come over?" And he's like, "No, I'll go get it." I fell asleep on the couch, and I woke up, and there was this like I felt like there was this massive movie screen in front of my face like oh, it was huge it was huge yeah and i was like what is going on and so then that that began the uh flat screen tv series the uh chapter of my life i guess um and so yeah so now this this one i guess is is it just doesn't work it the sound works <laughs> oh you could listen listen right. to tv uh so yeah we I don't know how we got to that, but yeah, you're talking about relaxing, watching, watching TV. This is, this podcast is the series of digressions. Digressions. Yes. So back to Yoga Nidra. Mm -hmm. It is definitely worth your time. If you're curious about it, check it out. It's really good. Uh, Really, really good. And if people, if you're unable to make this one, I think this is something that we're going to, you know, we will, we will hold these in the future for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. We're Yoga Nidra is on the comeback that, mm-hmm. that's another chapter of <laughs> of my life and the studio's life right now <laughs> you know another digression uh just because i think it's appropriate to let everybody know that i have thrown away all of my brown stuff so i don't really even care <laughs> if brown's they, no longer supporting <laughs> not supporting since last year yep and i am much more sober and less angry on Sundays. Last year was fantastic. I got stuff done. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like being a Browns fan, there's there's um there's there's a practice that comes with that too. My dad was a huge Browns fan and uh I used to watch with him all the time and I'd get, you know, upset when they would lose, which was always. And uh and he would never like have any emotion around it. And I remember having the conversation with him of like you never get mad when they make bad plays or you know whatever. And he was like, "Look, I've lived with the Browns my entire <laughs> life." I am used to upset and defeat. He's like, I don't care what happens. He was like, but he doesn't get upset. He would not get upset if they lost, but he would celebrate when they would win. And yeah. I felt like there was, there was like, there was a little bit of a lesson in there, you know? Like, yeah. It's know. A, it, it wasn't just that. Cause I did enjoy like Brown's parties. Not that we did a whole lot of them recently. Cause in the last seven years, <laughs> um, we used to go tailgating a lot. We used to go downtown, even if we weren't going to the game, but, um, I just can't support the whole thing with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, I understand that I, completely. Yeah, it's it's like, all right, done. Yeah, yeah. I I I feel that there are no excuses for their decisions that they're making there. But right, and it's not like this is on the heels of a bunch of good decisions. Right, right. <laughs> it's uh, just go Browns. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. So (laughs) next Saturday, which is uh, September 23rd in the Brexville studio, and I want to make sure I get the time right. It's 1 to 3, right? Correct. Yeah. 1 to 3 p.m. 
You um, and Amanda Hatfield. Yep. We are going to be holding an inversion workshop. Um, so it is, we did this back in, well, I did one back in Strongsville a couple months ago and um, Amanda actually, I think she had just gotten done with her teaching training or recently and uh, she came to it as maybe it was part of her credits or whatever, but she put her mat right next to mine at the front and uh, I, I sought op- opportunity there immediately. Um, if any of you have not met Amanda or you don't know, um, she's physically fit. She's a trainer. She owns gyms, um, and that girl can hold a handstand longer than I will ever be able to. She was a gymnast. So. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. so there you go. I didn't. Oh, I didn't realize that. that you know, it's funny. Sense. Amanda's a great teacher, um, but people will <laughs> commonly tell me like her classes are hard, and I'm like, no, her power classes are hard, mm-hmm. or like physically challenging. But They're I just challenging. feel like people look at Amanda. <laughs> And immediately think they're in for it. He's like all of four foot one. I don't know. Yeah, yeah just tiny little ball of muscle. Sweetest thing in the world. Uh, but, you know, if I could see it, if you see her, if you walked into a studio for the first time for a power class and saw Amanda, you'd be like, oh, no, right. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. But she teaches but she slow flow excellent. as well. And she's an excellent slow flow teacher. Um She's just she's just a good teacher. She's been in the, the fitness industry for a long time. And um she just knows how everything works together and as far as knows you know. the body really well. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. And um your your inversion workshop of a couple months ago was was awesome. Um everybody who took it loved it and asked when we we're gonna do it again. Yeah. And it's it is really fun to work on arm balances and inversions and you you don't have to know how to do them or even like be halfway there to get started. Um, you don't even really have to have a goal of like nailing a handstand. It's just more tools to build awareness in your body and Mm -hmm. to, um, and just to kind of have fun. Um, we, yes, they can be intimidating for sure, but there, your body naturally, like if you start to fall out of something, your body will compensate. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many people have you seen go up into like, try to go up into a handstand and kind of cartwheel out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You naturally kind of know how to handle the situation there, but we also teach you too. like, yeah, um, we, we do go through that once we get into handstands of um, safe ways to get out of it. And you can practice that with a wall. And um, I think what was, what was really cool about this inversion workshop that um, we did before was, you know, I kind of, I went into it obviously with a plan of what we were going to talk about, but I hated like the group that we had were, they were so amazing. Everybody was, everybody participated with it. And so like what we do is we'll kind of, as we progress through it, we'll show you how to do a pose and um, we go through how to use blocks and things to help you build into it or whatever. And then we give you a little time to mess around with it and we'll walk around and help you or whatever. But what I found was um, people were kind of hitting these aha moments with their poses and like kind of figuring it out. Cause at the end of the day, when it comes to inversions and balancing, it's all about distribution of your weight and figuring out like the sweet spot, you know, we're going to set you up the basics, but everybody's anatomy is different. And so you have to figure it out for yourself a little bit. And it was just really cool to see people hit, um, you know, like I had somebody after the workshop and a couple of weeks later, she told me, she's like, I've never been able to do a headstand. And you're after doing the workshop, it was the first time I got it. I got it there. I can do it at home, you know, and it, she, people were kind of like sharing their aha moments with the entire class. So then they were giving 
kind of some insight and tools to help other people hit those aha moments too, you know? Like it was it was like this community yeah. effort and it was it was really cool. It was very inspiring to see. I was like on cloud nine when I left that day. I was just beyond impressed by uh, everybody that showed up, shown up. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And like I said, the, the big thing that I think intimidates people with inversions, like you're saying handstands and stuff is like, oh, I'm not strong enough. I'm not flexible enough. My body doesn't seem like it's capable of this. And, you know, we explain right off the rip how, you know, with anatomy, there are going to be poses that your body will never be able to do. There are poses that my body will never be able to do. And I've been practicing yoga for a really long time. Um, I think that's kind of like part of the beautiful part of it too, is just, you know, kind of finding some acceptance around it, but then celebrating some of the cool things that you didn't realize or didn't think you could do and you can. And But honestly, some of the poses that most people aren't going to be able to do don't include inversions. Do oh, you know I mean? Like there are um, some binds that mm-hmm. I'll never be, have you ever seen a, um, like a, a crescent prayer twist bind where I'll send you a photo. Anyhow, it's just never, yes. gonna work. yeah, it's not going to yeah. work. My, my arms aren't long. Like my, literally my anatomy isn't going to do it. That is the step to getting you into a bound half moon pose, yes. which I is also impossible more than anything in my life. And it's never going to happen. My shoulders are so tight and, and it, it, yeah, it'll never happen. Right. But you can do a handstand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and part of the, um, one of the biggest hurdles is like getting over that in your head. Like mm-hmm. I-, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, I think when I started the workshop, I said that too, like, let's just go ahead and all admit right now, none of us are going to look perfect today. Um, everybody's going to fall a little bit and we're all going to feel and look a little silly, but just know that literally every single person in this room is going to have yeah. that. But you know, every time somebody falls in a yoga class, I always kind of commend them for it. I'm like, look, if you're not falling, it means you're not trying something, you know, you're, right. you're pushing yourself a little bit further and it didn't work out that time, but that's fine. Just do right. it again. You know, I can't wait for the day when everybody in class is doing um, thread the needle with one leg up and somebody rolls and knocks the next person down and it just Dominoes. keeps going. <laughs> I've fallen at it many times. It's you're. I mean, there's. It doesn't hurt. You're right there, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely. I see students like get real stiff, like they don't want to fall. You know, I'm like, well, it's kind of fun to fall. <laughs> you roll through your shoulder. It might feel good. That's. I think. Um. I don't. This may have been even actually before I was teaching. I'm not sure, but I was taking one of your classes. I don't know if you remember, but we were in down dog. We did a bend twist open, and I went for a funky dolphin. I got my forearm down. And I started doing some hops to see if I could balance it. And I got up there and I floated for like 0.2 seconds and then tumbled forwards and almost hit the wall. And you came over and you didn't ask if I was okay, because I'm sure you could tell I was. But all you did, you said that was awesome. And you kept <laughs> And I was like, yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was. It. I actually kind of took that because I, I kind of say the same thing. It's like if somebody falls, I, I you know, I tell them, I'll say it out loud. I'll be like, hey, that's awesome because falling means you're trying something, you know, commend yourself for the trying part. Get over the fall. <laughs> and that's really important what you just said, like commend yourself for the trying. And we don't as adults, we don't try things very often. We're not new at things very often. Mm-hmm. We've already decided what we can and can't do. Granted, it's our life experience that's telling us, or or maybe it's our emotions, or, you know, like, but it's, it's, 
so much, uh, it's so refreshing to be in the beginner's mind. Like Josh mm-hmm. Stacker, who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he's our, our most recent teacher training graduate. He is a professor at Kent. And so he's in front of students speaking all the time. And he has, go listen to his podcast if you haven't, but he has like a really, really interesting life experience, just like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Josh is in definitely in his forties. I think his birthday's coming up. I, I don't I don't know how old he is, but um, but he said so. He's been teaching Power Basics in Brexville for a couple of weeks now. So this this week may be his third class. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said last week, so that was his second class. He had everybody checked in or whatever, and he was going into the studio to actually like teach the class, close the door, and he got nervous and he mm-hmm. had this moment of wow i haven't felt this in so long like and he was just sort of savoring like the butterflies yeah i can completely appreciate that because we don't mm-hmm. get that too often the more that we experience in life um and that's so true. you know you if you get that when you're trying some of the inversions that's that's pretty pretty awesome so what is what are what kind of uh, or what poses are you guys going to cover? I would assume headstand, handstand, forearm balance. Yeah. So we kind of like we start from the ground up a little bit. So we'll talk about um, alignment stuff and kind of like we'll start with like a teeny flow to get you warmed up. And we do some stretches for uh, the big things when it comes to inversion. So your wrists, um, your hips, your hamstrings, you know, get everything good for that. Um, and I do like to talk about Chaturanga and this actually yep. happened accidentally in the last one. Um, cause there are some arm balances like a uh, running man and stuff that require your arms to be in that Chaturanga, you know, form and not having good Chaturanga arms is already something that, you know, we like to make sure that's, that's a big, that's a big thing when it comes down to yoga. Um, yeah. it's, it took me actually a while to realize that I wasn't doing Chaturangas correctly. Um, that uh, but anyway so we talk about structure and stuff we'll do that and then yeah we kind of start from the ground up we'll do crow pose we'll talk about side crows um and then we'll move into the forearm stuff um headstand handstands um towards the end of, like i said we'll teach some of them uh demonstrate and teach and then we'll let everybody kind of practice them on their own um because we do we use blocks we use the walls we kind of show you the baby steps on how to do it so like if you've never done crow pose before if you've never even tried it we'll show you how to use a block um or a couple blocks so that you can feel you know whatever get used to it before you start to throw yourself into it um and then so anyway but towards the end of the class we kind of we i like i leave it open um because I'm sure there are specific poses that people are thinking about and wondering. And so I think last time, maybe the last 15, 20 minutes, we played with um, like peacock pose and firefly. And um, what's the one where you, uh, you're on your forearm or you're on your palms, your fingertips are facing behind oh. you and then you balance on the chatter. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It, Joe, Joe Kalikovo, he. Of course like, he Amanda was trying to do it and she, she got it for a second. Uh, it's very difficult. Um, but Joe Kalikova just boom out of nowhere, we look over and he's holding this pose like it was nothing. Um, but there are some like one-off poses that you won't hear about, see a lot about right. in practices and stuff, but other people know about. And 
um, like, oh, like grasshopper pose and baby grasshopper, like baby grasshopper is something that's accessible as far as an arm balance goes. It's a modified version, but it's, uh, it's really cool. It's a lot of fun and like, uh, eight angle pose, those types of things too. So peacock is the pose that you're talking about with your wrists facing. Peacock, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think chin stand was what you were referring to before. I Cause what's well, it? No. Oh, I was peacock was the one that I was talking about with the okay. hands down facing yeah. backwards, but yeah, chin stand. I actually didn't, I know it's the photo that uh, we used for the inversion. And uh, it was funny because I had, when I started building into chin stand and learning, like I took a couple months and really focused on it. And after I got it and, you know, I, I moved on a little bit and this was my fault, but naturally it's not one that I put into the workshop because it's, it's very challenging and yeah, um, it's, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, it can be very unsafe. Yeah. Um, Cause you're putting all your weight on your chin and your neck and it's just, it's very vulnerable there. So, but right at the end, it was actually Josh Stacker, you know, I just kind of said last minute, anything else? And he was like, what was that pose you did in marketing? And I was just like, no. And so there's a video out there of me attempting it. I mean, I held it for, you know, five seconds, but, uh, you know, we can definitely go over it if somebody wants to. <laughs> so you were saying before that, like, you know, bodies are all built differently there. I've, I, in my experience teaching, I found that there are two poses in particular, and that's one of them, chin stand. And, and the other one is firefly. Mm -hmm. I don't call a firefly. I throw out as an option. Like when you, when we hang in rag dolls or do goddess squats and we give the students a little bit of time to like play. Yeah. Um, but chin stand isn't, or yeah, isn't something that I call very often, but I, I happen to call it in this one particular day, and people are kind of looking at me and I was like, I'll show you how to set it up, but I, I can't do it. Maybe you can, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I demonstrated and then there was a student who tried it and her legs went way up over her head and like, you couldn't totally see her face, but you could see her face, like just the shock of like, yeah. what she did. And so that became, that became like her thing. She did it every time we did, That's um, awesome. we did backbends and, and, and inversions. And then um, Cassie Novak, who mm -hmm. is now in college and she comes in, she just left again, but, um, she, the same thing happened one night when I demonstrated firefly. And that's another one where I can kind of like get to it mm -hmm. and I can hold it for T minus two seconds. And then I fall. And then another one that you know, you don't have to fall far. Um, and Cassie tried it and just like her legs floated. It was amazing. Nailed it. Her her face was just like, it was like, I'm getting chills thinking about it. And that became her go-to. It was like, anytime there was time to play, Cassie's in Firefly. <laughs> That's awesome. Fireflies one, it's that, I mean, that is, it's a tough one. Um, that is one that becomes easier if you use blocks. Yeah. Um, a lot of arm balances are like that. Um, that's actually how I ended up building into the chin stand was using blocks, elevating your hands. Oh, like a uh, flying pigeon. That's one too, that I, um, actually a lot of people in the class got that flying pigeon really easily because they used blocks. Yeah. You know, that's such a deep hip stretch to have to get your hands down while you're in gentleman's chair. So if you put the blocks up, you don't have to stretch as far, but you can still get your knee up onto your um, you know, up onto your elbow, or your forearm, and it actually makes it a lot easier. So firefly, some of the, it's just taking yourself off the ground. So you don't have to find as much bend. Um, well, I have pigeon yeah. was a pose that I got when I, I realized how much pain you're in when you do it. Yeah. 
And it's not that's the bruise that comes with it. <laughs> and it's not so much in your hips, although because I feel like sometimes like so side crow, right? It always mm-hmm. comes from chair twists, mm-hmm. but it's very different than chair twists. And I sort of feel like that um, about flying pigeon too, where you have to go through the deep hip stretch. But once you once you start balancing, like mm-hmm. the focus becomes more on the balancing. And when you hook your foot around the spot on your arm right over your elbow, like in class, sometimes I'll joke and say, hook it. That's the whole key to the whole pose. Mm-hmm. You have to hook it so hard that you feel like you're li- you're leaving yourself a bruise yeah. and, and you might have a bruise. And you Sorry. might. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so if same you bruise thing. easily, you're going to. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with crow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can put your, your knees kind of straight forward up into your armpits and that hurts the back of your arms so much. Yeah. Or you can kind of take them out wider, you know, like whatever, whatever. I mean, I know there's a there's a textbook way and you know, whatever, but um it's yeah, it hurts. Yeah. Sometimes like, it does, but that's I mean Yeah, no, it's 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 just part of it. Nothing you can't handle. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. It's not it's not pain that you can't handle, exactly. It's a little teeny bit of pinching in this, but the rewards are worth it. <laughs> So when we're teaching regular classes, sometimes we take a moment to uh, like kind of workshop or demonstrate something, but we don't have time as we flow through a class to like teach crow and teach handstand and teach headstand. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of workshop will give students things that teach them how to work on it when they have time to work on inversions. Absolutely. yeah, you can definitely work the things that you're going to learn in the arm balance inver- and inversion workshop into your regular practice for sure. Mm-hmm. What are some of like what's your favorite inversion? Um, you know, it changes as inversion practice I just feel like does. Um, I the chin stand was a big one for me. I really liked that. Um, handstand is one of my I I was I was a gymnast too when I was younger and so handstand it took me a minute to get back into it and not every day is perfect still, you know, yeah. there are days I can land it and days that it's just my body's not doing it. Um but I do kind of use that as a gauge as to where I am in my focus. Like if I can kick up into a handstand and just hold it and we're good, I'm like, "All right, Jamie, your head's clear, you're feeling good. Things yeah. are, you know, Um, I, that's so tough. I really, I really enjoy running man. Um, I think it's one of those that you can put into your practice, um, and like into a power class in your flow. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's just a fun little addition into it. I mean, it's, it's, it takes strength and, you know, the right positioning for it, but when you hit it and just, you know, your back leg goes up just for that second or two that you do it, that, I don't know, it's, there's a cool feeling with it. Um, but my big one that I want to get better at is my forearm balance. Um, I have, like I said, I have very tight shoulders. And, uh, so that's one that you have to have, you have to be open in your shoulders and, you know, your your biceps, triceps, everything has to be pretty loose for that. And that's something I struggle with. Um, so that's, that's kind of like where my focus is right now. I guess I would say that's something that I'd like to see myself improve. I can kick up into it and hold for, you know, a brief second, but it hurts. And, uh, I'd like to, like to see myself be able to push into that a little bit more. Which, which ones are you not a fan of? Like, what are your, what are the ones that you choose more more often than not, not to even bother with? So I like, I like headstands. Um, I, I, I like to teach headstands too, because you have your arms for support. Um, I will say one that I don't do myself and I don't 
try to teach is tripod. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it's because it is difficult for people to grasp the, like to understand how important it is to be pushing more into your hands and stuff like, because you've got a lot of weight for your neck. Yeah, There is a lot of weight on your head and are on your neck. There's a lot of pressure there. And that's, that's one of those poses that I feel like even with an experienced yogi on an off day, you really could injure yourself. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the ones that I just, I just stay away from. Yeah. James and I are the same way. We don't teach a lot of um, tripods because, because the same thing, like there's just, not a lot of support for your neck. If your head isn't, if the crown of your head isn't flat on the ground, not that your head is flat, like your, right. your neck, if your neck is bent at all, and then you take what 90% of your body weight and dump it into a crooked neck, like that's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with like the actual inversion. It's just more of neck safety. Well, and the big, like the big key with that too, I mean, like I said, you have to make sure that you're putting some weight into your hands, but you can't do it. Like your body has to be perfectly aligned. Like your neck is stacked to show like you have to be perfect from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. And the slightest bit of swaying changes the pressure on your neck and all that. And I actually, I have a video somewhere I was messing around the studio one day and I went, I went from a crow pose and I went down into a tripod stand. I probably fell into it, but either way. I like made it work and I, you know, my legs went up and I was really stable and it was a tripod that like one of my best and I went ahead and started to walk my fingers out and I was able to do tripod with your hand or like your arms fully extended. Um, And it was, it was really cool. But then I felt like this sense of panic because I didn't know how to get out, you know, like I I never thought about, I've never tried that, but I never thought about it. I had so much pressure on my fingertips holding myself that I was like, if I move one of my hands, that's going to get like, I'm going to either fall or whatever. And I just, I did, I had this moment of like, I don't know how to do that. Like, I don't know how to get out of this right now. And if I, if I fell and I couldn't move, can I reach my phone? <laughs> right. Exactly. And I, so I, I will have to look at the video cause I, I think I ultimately, it, it was a weird scramble of bending the knees and just bringing them down real quick and which wasn't the smartest way either, but it was just what I did in the moment, you know, Yeah, and figured uh, it out. <laughs> we also don't teach a lot of shoulder, uh, Shoulder stand. It, is that what, am I saying it right? Yeah. Shoulder stand where you ha- you're you on your, it's like from waterfall where you lift your hips. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Shoulder yeah. Stand. yeah. Um, that's an awesome pose, but mm-hmm. th- again, there's so much pressure on your neck and it's hard to see as a teacher, if people are, if the pressure's on their neck or in their elbows or up in their shoulders, you know, like there's, yeah. there's, we can see a lot of weight distribution. It's just a, there's some things where we can't see what we need to see. And it's just, there's too much risk. Yeah. I it's, I've taught shoulder stand a couple times and the only way, like I, when I do, it's something that I know I'm going to do. It's not an impulse right. thing to do, but what I'll do is uh, make sure bridges are in the practice. Yeah. And by the third bridge, um, I have you up on your toes to the point that you can get your shoulders underneath so that yes. you, you get that, um, you know, you're using your arm for your stand, your hands at your low back. And then finding a lift with your left leg, right leg, kind of going back and forth. And it's like, if you feel good with this, you might be able to take it to the next yeah. step. And I think that's the biggest thing too. And and it's a good thing to remember for anybody who is working on inversions or coming to the class or whatever that just, I mean, just like yoga, there's steps to it. And I think so with inversions, even more so, you know, you instead of just coming into a studio and throwing yourself into, you know, a shoulder stand or a forearm right. stand or whatever, there are 
things that you could be doing to build into this to help with the strength, the balance, getting used to the feeling of being upside down. And it, I just think it's so important to take that prep work before you just toss yourself into it. Um, you'll thank yourself in the end. And, <laughs> but and- we, we go through that in the, in the inversion workshop too. I kind of I more or less give you homework, you know, things that you can right. take at home that you can practice, little activities, um, different stretches, and also the poses that we do every single day in our practices, how much they can benefit these poses. Yeah, chaturangas are like at the at the heart of everything. And every- also, if you're not used to being upside down and you're maybe a little hesitant but also very curious about this workshop um a really good way to start going upside down are our inversion chairs and we have one in each studio mm-hmm. um mary beth calls them the inversion toilet <laughs> um and now we know i know why people don't use them <laughs> yeah. because you basically place your hands on the legs of the chair and slide your head to the back of the chair your your um the seat sort of the middle of the seat comes out and your head and neck and shoulders are completely supported by the padded seat, but your neck doesn't, or your head doesn't touch the floor. So there's no pressure on your neck. And even if you just take one leg up, you're, I mean, just in the prep, you're inverted. Anytime your heart is over your head, it's considered an inversion, but you can take one leg up. The the wall is behind the chair. So you can like roll up. So your butt's against the wall. A teacher can help you, but there, I've had plenty of students like that you could tell we're sort of curious about doing it, mm-hmm. but didn't want to take that first step. And then once, you know, with a little help, once they got up there, they were like, oh. And so that intimidation just just kind of diminished, you know, it was gone. And and that's always a really, that's just a, it's got to be a great feeling. It's a great feeling as a teacher to like see that, that big Absolutely. aha moment of like, oh, and and a, a fear being conquered. Right. You know? I, um I had a, my uh, 615 in Brexville on Thursdays. Um, one of uh, my regulars, she's the sweetest girl. She came in, she was on the phone with work and I could tell her conversation based on what she's saying was frustrating. Um, and I can't remember. She, she, she basically came to this resolution while she was on the phone and it was like, she had conquered something and all of a sudden everything changed. She was super happy and she got off the phone, hung it up and she looked at me and she was like, I'm hitting that inversion chair today. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. And she did. And it was, but it was so cool because it was just like, she had conquered one thing and she's like, I'm taking that on today. Um, Let's just handle really, everything else while I'm here. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, we're definitely going to break for inversions today because I'm not taking that away from her. And she walked right up to it, put her head in it, boom, feet up. And oh, it was, it was awesome. It was very that's rewarding really cool. to see. So. I I will also say my journey to um, Eight Limb Sage was was an interesting one. I I I think I was there was a teacher that just was brought it into her class. Probably I don't know. Maybe it was like something she planned for that month or something. So we worked on it for a little bit um, every time I was in her class, and I just think I got to the point where. I was like, this probably just isn't working for my body. Like I, you know, it's just, I, I'm listening. I wasn't frustrated. I was more like, this, this looks really hard. And I just don't think, I think I'm doing everything right. It's just not working. And then one day it just happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like all the cues came together at once and it just happened. It was probably six, eight months into me trying it for the first time. And I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> Like, why did it take me so long? 
Well, it was it was that and like it was literally like you said before, it's just finding your balance. Mm-hmm. And it was that that balance of head and butt, really, that yep. I I sort of like the, the scales tipped to the right spot. And I was like, oh, here we are. <laughs> and, the, and it was so like it was so clear that I knew that I just had it. It wasn't like like handstand. I'm the same way. Some, day, some days I go to my mat and I can nail it. If mm-hmm. I'm demonstrating, I can nail it every yep. time. I can do so many things when I'm demonstrating and I can have a full conversation with you. Not so much when I'm in my own practice, but, um, but like there are days where I have to work at it. There are days where, you know, and it's, it's, I'm more, I'm not disappointed when I just don't nail it. I'm more interested in like, what does it have for me today? You know, like Mm -hmm. I know that it's there and if it's not there today, I know that it's not like gone, but with the eight limb sage, when I did it, I was like, oh, I have it now. And then I was a little disappointed. Like the journey's over. Like it came to a screeching halt. Yeah. And it's really, it taught me that lesson of that. It's all about the journey, mm-hmm. you know, and I was craving the journey. And so maybe that's why with handstand, I'm not part of the reason why I'm not like bummed out if it's, it's not there. Honestly, one of my, one of my challenges has been for a long time when I'm in a busy class, like that's when handstands get really hard because even though I I know that my body isn't going to go left or right or or roll over to the person doing child's pose in front of me, like that is that is my my challenge to like find my balance in that situation, and and it's just it's interesting, you know. And yeah, some days mm-hmm. I get frustrated where I'm like, what the heck? I just did it last class in the middle of the room when no one was, you know. Well, I think that. It's kind of like, so I think it might be part of the reason that I love inversions so much and teaching them, like one of my favorite um, yamas and yamas to teach is non-attachment. Like I just, I feel like it applies to so much in our lives. And um, and so I do, especially because if you've taken one of my classes, you know, I like to make you uncomfortable, uh, but in the best way possible. And and that's that's kind of the point of it is that you know, whatever happens with your inversions, um, whether it's in a workshop or your practice or whatever, the concept of uh, non-attachment is, you know, it's, it's kind of necessary because, you know, you, if you hate your handstand, awesome, celebrate it, you know, honor it, acknowledge it, and then let it go. Because if you're in your head of like, oh my God, I've got handstands, I'm going to do handstands forever. You're going to come to practice the next day and you're not going to be able to hit that handstand. You're going to really disappoint yourself. You know, you're, it's different every time you do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that's part of what I love about it. Yeah. They definitely give you a new perspective. <laughs> but that's well, why we're, we're here, right? That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. That's why we're here, doing the yoga thing. Maybe we should change our, our roles to perspective providers. There you go. Instead of teachers. <laughs> I actually don't write, hate that. I'm going to write that down. We are We're Hi, brainstorming right Amy. now. I am your perspective provider for today. <laughs> Welcome um, to basic perspective providing. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to market very well. <laughs> I, I I love it. Modern uh, yoga for a new perspective. <laughs> there you go. Come for the yoga, come for the workout, get Stay a new perspective. The, yes, there you go. <laughs> I love it. You heard it. You heard it here on the Modern Yoga Podcast. <laughs> New slogan. I don't know if this this might not be James approved, but oh, he's not going to get this far. <laughs> That's fair. 
Well, uh, but yeah, so it's I'm excited. I'm excited to do it with Amanda. Like I said, last time she was uh, involuntarily brought into it. And uh, so when we said we needed to do another one, I was like, yep, she she's the she's the girl to be a part of this. Um, so I'm excited to have her alongside and her to be teaching it as well. You know, she's not just going to be the demonstrator. <laughs> she's going to be a part of it and teaching and stuff. So, well, But that is part of it. Like you were saying, and I, I don't think this is a big secret. <laughs> Like when you're teaching and you're talking through demonstrating and like, that's, that's just, it's hard. It's exhausting. And then you can't see. And yeah, it's awesome. When I, it, I'm, it was I'm, one of the things I didn't even think about going into the workshop of the talking while doing poses, um, which, you know, is not easy in any situation. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I think it was the Chaturanga specifically we were talking about and I was showing how to do it with blocks so we could get good form and all that. And, and I, I was just showing that once you put the blocks under your shoulder is I was like, I could hold this all day long because it's taking, you know, pressure away or whatever. And, um, and then I continued talking and all of a sudden I'm like dripping sweat. <laughs> so I dropped my knees and I was like, well, I take that back. Can't do this all day long. And, uh, but, you and know, then you kinda, couldn't do 10 handstands after that. <laughs> no. Well, and it's, yeah. Cause the, you know, just like it, it's so important during yoga practice to keep breathing. You have to do that during inversions too. You can't hold your breath while you're upside down. Because your weight will shift, it'll redistribute, redistribute, and you'll fall. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you know, trying to trying to talk about handstands while you're in a handstand, it's not it's not going to work. <laughs> so it's it's good to have somebody to help aid you. So we'll we'll be splitting that up. So the Yin and Yoga Nidra workshop this weekend is twenty five dollars if you prepay, thirty five dollars day of, and then the beginners, uh, not beginners, the inversion workshop which let me switch to my Brexville store is um, the arm balance and inversion workshop is $30 and then $35 day of. So be sure to register and come and check it out. Um, we will be doing more of these. So if you happen to miss one, don't worry. It won't be forever before we have another one. We're, we're definitely back on a, uh, a pretty regular workshop schedule and and that's definitely um a goal of ours to, to maintain and continue to offer uh, really fun workshops. And if you guys have any ideas, if you want to see um, anything in particular, just talk to one of us or email or message or, or whatever, because we'd love to hear, um, you know, what's going love on in your practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thank you, Jamie, for, for being on the podcast. I feel like you're a regular these days. We might have Bye. to Make it I'm, the, the, I'm the new co-co-host. <laughs> yes, I like it. I'm just gonna yeah. pop in every once in a while. I like it. I yeah. um, it goes it goes with my persona of being all over the place. And yes, uh, Carrie, Carrie Hoffman today told me she sent me a text. She goes, "You're hard to track down." I was like, "You are not the first person to tell me that." <laughs> so we, you, Mary Beth, and I, at some point, we'll have to take some lovely photos together, and then we'll have to. Like James will at some point randomly grab some really bad photos of the three of us, and then he'll just use the ones that we don't like, and we'll have this like, you know, group of lovely photos that we'll be wondering why he doesn't use them, but he'll just, you know, I'm well, just fortunately saying. he doesn't have that anymore. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's thanks. on me now. Thanks so. for thanks for being the business manager. <laughs> Absolutely, because your role entails so much that we don't know what else to call you. <laughs> That's yeah, Jack of all, Jamie of all trades, podcast co-host, social media creative teacher. 
Yeah. You name it, I'll do it. <laughs> that's I'll another pod. That's another whole podcast. Well, from perspective provider to what should Jamie's um, job description or title be? <laughs> we'll do a, what should we call Jamie? We are on a roll today. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Um, you know what? I will give that to Mary Beth Twerty as an assignment. I'm sure she'll figure out something to call you. Oh, title? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure she will. Well, she she did. Um, oh, God. What did she? She may have said the, she may have called it the bullshit sorter. <laughs> there you go. Said. I think that's what she referred to it as. Something along those lines. The BSS. Yes. There we go. The BSS. Jamie Pantia BSS. All right, credentials. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, thank you so much. Before I digress some more, please rate, review, and subscribe and tell your friends if you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed this. Give us some feedback. If you want to be on the podcast, please reach out. And in the words of the great Mary Beth Twerty, all right, we're done.